This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. And you're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam, streaming at DCAUreview.com and on your favorite podcast app. Gotham City is out of control. An entire city screaming in fear. Super villains walk the streets, preying on the innocent. They will learn the true nature of power. The police are powerless. A creature prowls this urban wasteland. Is that? He moves in darkness. For some, he is a rumor. A name whispered in the corridors of the underworld. Waiting for the chance to strike. Let every criminal know the acid taste of fear. You crazy! Gotham has forgotten what justice means. The Dark Knight is here to remind them. Batman. Good guys wear black. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everyone, to episode 249 of the DCAU Review. I am Liam, and with me, as he always is, is Cal. Cal, we are here uh, this week with another Batman the Animated Series review. And, uh, well, suffice to say, we'll have a lot to talk about when it comes to this one. (laughs) I believe it was uh, Sir Charles Dickens that said it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. (laughs) tale of two cities but uh you know we started off this month with like some you know one of the most memorable incredible uh well-loved episodes of all time uh when we reviewed trial and uh you know had a lot of fun with that talked about just what a what a great fun episode it is what fond memories we have of it and you know what we're ending the month uh on the so-called worst of times uh (laughs) (laughs) Because we have an all-time terrible, pun intended, episode this week. Um, As as uh, if if people were following along uh, at DCAU Review on Twitter this week, or perhaps on our Instagram, 
you would have seen that uh, Liam did a great job of noting that one of the persons responsible for the entire Batman, the animated series, uh, a fellow by the name of Bruce W. Tim might be mm-hmm. familiar with him, noted that uh, on, on a fan forum, uh, probably over a decade ago, he marked this episode that we were reviewing today as his nominee for the worst episode in the DCAU. So that's saying a lot because we've, mm-hmm. you know, overall, we I would say we have a pretty good they have a pretty good batting average. You know, we're probably we're probably in the in the 700s if we're talking about, a, you know, looking at a, at a batting average across all series here. Mm-hmm. However, there are some very notable stinkers uh, that we've talked about and they they are immortalized in what we call the bad episode jar meaning we put a dollar in this jar every time we mention one of these names and i'm afraid liam today that we may have yet another nominee as we review the terrible trio from batman the animated series i guess it's technically the adventures of batman and robin at this point though because we do get the uh, the adventures of batman are we officially in the adventures of batman and robin seasons now so as I think we talked about this a little bit ago when we reviewed uh, Bullet for Bullock, because we review by production order, I think we're going to go back and forth. Ah, that's right. I, by the time this aired, it was The Adventures of Batman and Robin, but it wasn't necessarily officially part of that season um, right. whenever they changed the name. So but by, by the time it aired, it certainly is because, yeah, if you watch this one on, on the Blu-rays or on HBO Max or probably even on the old DVDs, uh, um, you you do have the adventures of Batman and Robin intro, which mm-hmm. might be the best part of the episode, honestly. Um, <laughs> Speaking of air date, I will mention quickly, this originally aired on uh, an unfortunate date, uh, September the 11th, <laughs> 1995, uh, perhaps poetically, uh, meaning we are Oof. coming up on the 28-year anniversary of this episode's debut here in the States on the Fox Kids Network. And it, uh, it does feature an interesting set of villains here, the the terrible trio, Liam, who uh, we'll learn was not uh, was not uh, not an original creation. It's based on a series of characters that were created by Dave Wood and uh, and Sheldon Moldoff, who uh, who originally created them for Detective Comics number two fifty three back in March of nineteen fifty eight. Meaning uh, we're about to celebrate uh, quite a large anniversary for these fellas' first appearance in uh, in comic book form. But uh, I think we should probably get to this week's uh, episode's official imdb synopsis what about you <laughs> absolutely so uh as always we will give you the official imdb synopsis which is brought to you as it is every week by the pod tower youtube channel you can go ahead and subscribe there at youtube.com slash the pod tower and you will find every single episode that we've ever produced and uh, as well as content from uh, the watchtower database and, uh, and a few other DCAU content creators as well. So you can subscribe there as well. And uh, that synopsis is, again, as Cal mentioned for the episode, The Terrible Trio, which was written by Michael Reeves and Alan Burnett. And just two great, <laughs> great writers made this. Uh, <laughs> directed by Frank Parr. Uh, with music by Shirley Walker. Oh, Shirley Walker doesn't deserve to have her name on this episode. That's not fair. <laughs> All right, we got to get to the review. <laughs> it's going to be long enough. And animation by Jade Animation. 
Mm-hmm. And that synopsis reads as such. Three rich youths who commit armed robbery for fun are pursued by Batman as their irresponsible hobby escalates into potentially worse deeds. Mm. And even the synopsis is terrible for this one. I was going to say, uh, not going to lie, they had me in the first half, but that that second half really. I wouldn't. I wouldn't call these folks youths, <laughs> uh, unless Bruce Wayne himself is also a youth. But uh, we'll get it. We'll just get into the episode and then and 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 from there, Cal. But uh, so we start out. We start out hot and heavy. There's a, a robbery going on. A uh, an, a security guard is being accosted by three men in in various animal masks. We have a fox, we have a vulture, and we have a shark. And they're uh, they're kind of just they're uh, breaking into a safe. They're kind of monologuing about uh, what a how a, well everything's going. And uh, they even kind of take a moment to kind of taunt the uh, the security guard. Fox is very. Uh, dismissive of how much money he makes he does some quick arithmetic and decides that uh, the least he can do is uh, leave a stack of money behind for the security guard who of course defiantly throws out take any charity from these thieves wait gentlemen so what do they pay you here henry nine ten dollars an hour a grand total of what four Four twenty-five a week. Fox, come on. Let's see. That'd be twenty-one thousand a year. Can that be right? Here, in appreciation for services rendered. <laughs> we won't tell. Beats a gold watch. Ah ah ah! It's business decisions like that that got you where you are today. Come, gentlemen, let us away. Did you hear that? Right as they uh, feel like maybe they're going to turn uh, turn to physical violence against this man, we hear a little bit of a, a, a noise in the background, and Batman and Robin, the dynamic duo, are here to save the day, uh, which causes the uh, the vulture, the fox, and uh, and the shark, our titular terrible trio, to uh, make their escape on a wacky hawk zipline, <laughs> vulture themed zipline. The penguin should sue. Um, and, uh, and they, uh, as they make their getaway, Robin sort of overzealously follows behind them and, uh, narrowly avoids falling to his death at one point. But, uh, as he goes to chase them again, they, uh, they call off plan B realizing that they only have one way to stop Robin from catching up. That's to set off a, a precariously placed, uh, set of dynamite that is strapped to the, to the docks which uh, robin notices a bit too late as batman calls out to him and uh, there's a big explosion the terrible trio get away and uh, batman is able to pull robin from the river uh with uh, as we'll find out series to him but uh but it's clear we've got we've got a new gang in town and they're uh, they're at least in this first encounter able to outsmart even batman so that's kind of our our, our opening our cold open for the episode Yep, that's right. 
And uh, we then kind of flash to Bruce. He's hanging out at a country club. By the way, uh, the, the the guys in the masks were were very much throwing around a lot of elitism language, a class mm-hmm. classist language, mocking the poor people, trying to come up with the total amount of money that the that the security guard was making per year, even throwing a stack of money at him out of pity. Uh, which he which he declined. So that's our first clue that these fellas are uh, are think of themselves on a on a different scale at a different level here. Uh, but uh, as we mentioned, uh, at the the next scene we cut to a country club where uh, Bruce Wayne is hosting what appears to be some sort of charity event for, uh, for some for some people to observe shooting skeet. And uh, he he and the other gentleman. What did you know? It just happens to be three other wealthy young gentlemen who are uh, who are also doing their very best to put down anybody and everybody that is not also rich around them. They're uh, they're chiding Bruce for being kind to, quote unquote, the help, unquote. Uh, so it's mm-hmm. very obvious that they're they see themselves as uh, on another level. And uh, what did you know? It just happens to be three people. I wonder if these guys might be connected to these strangers we Thanks, saw Kevin. in the masks in the very first scene. Paul. Thanks, Kevin. Awfully chummy with the help, Bruce. Do you thank the garbage man for picking up your trash? If I happen to run into him. Don't get Warren started, Bruce. You know how he feels about the servants. Gunther, army, please. I'm just trying to protect Bruce from his baser instincts. Pull! So, this is all you do for kicks, Bruce? Charity work? Well, I do have a nightlife. Pull! Besides, it's important to help others. It may sound corny, but hey, it's how I feel. You must recognize that you are a superior animal, Bruce. A member of the elite. Pull! Take my Delta brothers and me. Why, we've run with the bulls. Shot game from hot air balloons. Killed a great white. We've done it all. Ah, therein lies the problem. After all, what do the Rajas do when there are no more tigers to hunt? I'm sure you'll think of something, Warren. But uh, we we learn that these uh, three gentlemen are uh, are are Warren, Army, and Gunther, uh, who uh, who are who are three fraternity brothers, and uh, they talk about the various uh, different things that they've experienced and how great they have. Uh, you know, they've killed wild game in the Serengeti and killed great white sharks and all kinds of other things that people with a lot of money think are very impressive apparently. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and mentioned that they're, they're somewhat, uh, they're somewhat bored and they are looking for the thrill of, of things as they continue here again, sort of laying the, uh, laying the groundwork for what's going to come on later on. But, uh, uh, in the at the after party, after they've uh, successfully shot enough, uh, Bruce w- greets a a man by the name of Sheldon Fallbrook, who is there with his daughter Rebecca, and uh, Sheldon's not too happy with what Rebecca is wearing to the uh, to the <laughs> event, saying it's not appropriate at all. He's a bit of a prude, just say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Sheldon greets Bruce, and they have their own conversation, and. As Rebecca sort of wanders off, uh, we learn that Rebecca is uh, happens to be the boyfriend 
of uh, of one of these three gentlemen that we're shooting, and that being Warren. So it's Warren's boyfriend. He uh, sort of resembles uh, Archie from from uh, from mm. from Archie comics. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> got red hair, or maybe just a more douchey version of Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> but uh, we'll talk about that later in visuals. Uh, there's a connection there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yes, we. We uh we see that uh, that Warren greets Rebecca and is uh, being very hands on and she warns him that her her father likely wouldn't approve but uh, he's very complimentary of her skimpy outfit which she says uh, is likely to cause her father even more uh, consternation later on when he finds out the price tag which set him back five thousand uh, dollars and uh, so at this point Warren offers to uh to to give some of his own money to Rebecca to to sort of uh, stave off some of uh some of uh, Sheldon's concern and and uh and some of his wrath Oh Warren you are a lifesaver It's only money With daddy leaving town I should be able to slip this into his account no problem mm-hmm. Catch you in the pool Well, old man, I'd say that fluttering sound you hear is your check sprouting wings and flying away. Actually, I thought that Daddy might be willing to reimburse me. So uh, in mentioning this, though, he he gives the check, and as she walks away, uh, Army and Gunther mention that uh, it was probably not a smart idea because that money is is likely never to be seen again. Uh, but uh, sort of tellingly, uh, Warren mentions that he believes that Sheldon will be more than likely uh, very happy to not only reimburse, but uh, with interest. So we cut to the very next scene where, uh, wouldn't you know it, that same trio... <laughs> They're back and they are uh, they are in Mr. Fallbrook's house. They are ransacking it. Uh, Mr. Fallbrook was mentioned, by the way, by Rebecca, that he was going to be out of town and that she would be able to deposit the money into his account without him noticing. So they are ransacking. Uh, they're having conversation and uh, they're it's they're pretty much not even hiding it at this point that this uh, terrible trio is indeed Warren, Army, and Gunther's. They're discussing that it's a little bit brash of them to be taking money from somebody that they know. And it's at this point that the lights go on, and it turns out for some reason, never explained, Sheldon actually is in town. And as he goes to call the police, uh, he is accosted by the terrible trio as they are able to over overwhelm him and and kind of not only not only do they stop him from calling the police but then uh, they very much relish punishing him with a uh, mm-hmm. with a, a physical beat down at this point and uh we see that uh he's he's hit on the side of the face with a with a closed fist punch specifically by Warren who is uh sporting a ring on his hand that leaves an imprint uh, I guess this is uh, Chekhov's imprint because yeah. <laughs> we're going to need that later on. There, there is a moment earlier at the country club where Bruce, where they sh- they show that Bruce notices the ring on. That's true. Yes, this I... is kind of a a thread here, which you know, being able to pick up on this stuff is is kind of neat. Yeah, uh, you know, he's he's a bit more observant than he's able to. That's it makes sense that he's able to put the pieces together here. No, no, it does. 
But uh, as as criminals are wont to do, they get sloppy. And not only does he uh, leave this imprint of the ring on Sheldon's face, but he decides to take a memento uh, with him. And he uh, he takes his diamond stick pin, which was in his uh, in his what do you call that? Not a, not a caftan. What do you call that? His uh, his scarf. What do you call a little scarf? That you ask, uh, an ascot? ascot. That's it. Yes, he was, he was wearing it in his in his night ascot. So, <laughs> He takes it as a little memento, and uh, it's at this point that they they are on the road as uh, as the cops are in hot pursuit, and they are uh, quick to make an escape and believe that they've made their escape. But wouldn't you know it? Who's hot on their tail? But the Batman. That's right. So we get a uh, car chase, which involves uh. <laughs> It involves them. Uh, them they they try to lose him just by some some fancy driving that doesn't work. At which points they just start lobbing like like army grenades <laughs> out the window at the Batmobile. <laughs> and uh, when that doesn't work, Batman fires back with something that I can't believe wasn't on the Kenner Batmobile toy, honestly. Right? Which yeah. is a, a the the grill on the front of the Batmobile uh, parts in the middle. And a giant grappling hook shoots out and attaches itself to the car, and uh, seemingly uh, Batman's uh, Batman's got them. But uh, the shark is able to fire uh, fire his pistol enough times that he's able to break the line. But Batman's still on the trail. At which point, uh, the fox makes the decision to dump all of the money out into the streets as they're driving by a, a very populated area, like outside of a movie theater, and. What do we do? Quick, dump the money. What? Dump the money. Now! Hey, free money. Once again, we owe it all to the little people. So once they do, of course, all of the civilians run into the streets to uh, to grab hold of their uh, their free money, as it's called. We just hear a woman shout out, "Free money!" <laughs> and uh, and then uh, yes, Batman. So Batman, of course, has to stop for pedestrians, and uh, and uh, so the the terrible trio get away once again. And uh, it's, it's at that point that we cut to the hospital where we see Rebecca at the at bedside with her with her dad, who has been put into a coma by this beating. She's, of course, very distraught. And as she uh, she leaves the hospital, Bruce Wayne is there and offers his condolences before uh, Warren and the, the total supportive boyfriend not only comforts Rebecca, but offers to uh, to take her to his palatial ski ski cabin, uh, his log cabin out in the woods. The Gotham Woods, I guess the Gotham, there's a Gotham desert and there's a Gotham Woods, I guess. Uh-huh, like a mountainous region. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, so he offers to take them and uh, as they sort of walk away to go off on their uh, their their getaway, Bruce enters the hospital room and, and looks over uh, Mr. Fallbrook and it's at that point that he notices, as you mentioned, Cal, 
that uh, that the punch that was thrown by the fox left an imprint, a perfect imprint of this sort of up, upside down triangle uh, symbol on on his cheek. And so Bruce is able to, uh, along with Dick's help. Oh yeah, Robin's in this episode. Uh, <laughs> he was injured apparently during that explosion. Yeah, a little Band-Aid on his head. He, he has a Band-Aid on his head and he mentions later that he has a broken arm apparently. Um, but he's using that computer just fine. He sure is. And he was reading the newspaper in an earlier scene too with both arms. So I don't <laughs> know. Maybe it's... <laughs> You know, maybe it's just, it's it's not set yet. I don't know. According to the computer, this is probably the ring that made the mark on Fallbrook's jaw. It belongs to a frat, Delta Sigma Alpha, mostly rich boys. Like Warren Lawford and his Delta brothers, all three of them inherited family fortunes. Lawford gets his from oil. Lidecker's father owned an aerodynamics firm. And Hardwick's father was a shipping magnet. Land, air, and water. It can't be a coincidence. Scoundrels like these are worse than the Joker. At least he's got madness as an excuse. But they've got more money than the Mint. Why would they steal? Uh, they're uh, they're looking over various symbols, and they they find out that it's a symbol for a specific fraternity, which of course is the fraternity that these uh, these three guys, Warren, uh, Army, and Gunther, belong to. And uh, we find out at that point that they all made their fortunes or their parents made their fortunes in uh, in very specific ways. Warren's by oil, uh, what is it, aeronautics or making airplane engines or something. Yes. And then uh, and then Gunther's as a as a shipping magnate. So, of course, that makes it land, air and sea, which matches the fox. The vulture and the uh what's the name the shark very um, some yes so batman we get a little monologue from batman here about how these guys are worse than the joker which i i would disagree with <laughs> but uh but that that's sort of uh that's sort of the point here is that i guess the idea of them being like they're the other side of the coin of what you could do with Br- bruce wayne's time and resources sure um but yes yeah, so we we set up here and as we we flash back to the uh to the to the uh, we're kind of cutting back and forth between the cabin where uh on their romantic getaway warren brought his two friends thing but uh the the, the, tr- the trio and and uh, rebecca are up at the uh the cabin and they're talking about uh the situation with her father and she's sort of lamenting that he's in in such distress and warren's kind of getting more and more agitated with her and asking her why she even cares about this old coot and all that but uh, as they're sort of discussing uh, uh she happens to find that very uh, that that very diamond stick pin Chekhov's diamond stick pin and recognizes it as her father's favorite and uh and this that, idiot couldn't come up with a better excuse yeah i could have just said like my father we must have had similar tastes and my I, So the police still have no idea who the thieves are? No, I guess not. But I hope they find them soon. You know, I really shouldn't be here. I mean, what if my father wakes up? Come off it, Rebecca. Anyone would think you actually liked the old coot. Well, he is my father. Don't worry. We left the number here with the hospital. And we're only an hour's drive from the city. Well... Time for a feast. We're going to cheer you up whether you like it or not. You're too sweet. (laughs) 
It's Dad's stick pen. How did it... About, hey, oh yeah, I picked it up off the desk the other day that I was sitting on when we were at at what were they? Yeah, they were at the were yeah. they at his, his they were at his estate doing the skeet shooting, right? I think so, yeah. At least that was. Oh, no, you know what? Maybe not. I don't no, know. They're at a country maybe, club. Okay, they're so at a yeah, country club. Not, but... but either way, like, hey, I picked it up off the ground the other day, or whatever. <laughs> the point is, he doesn't try. <laughs> he doesn't. Nope. He goes right to. Hey. We need to murder her. And she, you know, she swears she won't talk. And he says, no, she will. So we've got to kill her. Keeping in mind that at this point, they've just been like stealing from other rich people. They haven't really shown any. I guess they do try to kill Robin at the start of the episode, but uh, uh, they haven't really shown that uh, that level of murder, murderous streak to them. But here they are. She's made them. He, They know that she'll she'll tell the police if uh, if they don't. If they don't take care of her so they they set up the they've uh they've knocked her out and she she sort of asks them why is they're about to put her out and he explains it's just because they're bored and as you mentioned uh, earlier in the episode they're going over all these things they've done on safaris and big game hunting and running with the bulls and all that and once you've done all of that you're uh, you're still looking for another thrill and so this is what they've settled on um, so yes, they, uh, they, they knock her out with some chloroform and put her in the front seat of a car and begin to push that car off of a cliff and uh, actually succeed in, in pushing the car off the cliff. But then, uh, we see a grappling hook go down and catch the car right at the, at the last moment and the bath plane enters Batman, uh, swoops down and, uh, is able to take care of the shark and the vulture very quickly uh, but Fox uh, escapes by snowmobile, as you do. Mm-hmm. What, what was he going to do? <laughs> if he gets away, everyone knows who he is now. Like, where's he going to go? <laughs> I guess what you could argue. Does he, he have his, his mental? His, I mean, he's clearly not of sound mind. And even after he's caught, he still believes he's going to get away with it because of his money. So maybe he just assumed that he could buy his way, you know, go off to another country where he won't be extradited, I guess. Okay. I don't know. All right. Maybe. That's I, fine. I'll... <laughs> yeah, that's I'll... me over explaining a plot, sure. though. That's like getting him from riding away on a snowmobile to <laughs> to to being in another country <laughs> that won't extradite him. Sure. <laughs> Why not? Uh, but yes. But yes, Batman is able to catch up to him. And after a brief struggle, he throws the fox from the snowmobile and escapes himself just as it goes careening over a over a hill. And as you mentioned, as Batman locks him up, he's he's offering Batman all this money. And, and when Batman refuses, of course, uh, the fox uh, just continues to, to be smug and protest and say that he owns every judge and DA in the in the whole state. And he'll uh, he'll never see the inside of a jail cell. And he's, he'll get the best justice money can buy. Let's go, Fox. You've raided your last chicken coop. Wait, wait a minute. We can make a deal. A million dollars to let me go. Ah! Ten million! Think about it. Buys a lot of batarangs. Your money's no good here. Okay, fine. Go ahead, take me in, hero. I've got every judge in town in my pocket. You'll see. I'll get justice, the best that money can buy. And uh, we cut this little epilogue from there. We just fade into the next scene. 
and uh and he is in fact in a jail cell with the big angry mean looking man and and uh that's the end of the episode <laughs> mercifully um yeah, yeah justice so, i guess was served <laughs> yes uh so so this is tough because i think when one thing about the episode one of our four categories is like really really bad mm-hmm. sometimes i feel like i have the uh tendency to also take that out on other categories that maybe Absolutely. don't deserve it like I've I've thought about now about like uh like uh speaking of bad episodes, Eternal Youth comes to mind. Like I was probably harsher, I was probably harsher on uh on that episode than it deserved. Other than because I hated the plot so much, I was probably harsher on the voice acting and and music and whatever than sure. I had. Yeah, so I bearing that in mind, I just don't think this is an interesting story. <laughs> Like, I think there's a nugget of something here with the idea of these rich elites that pal around with Bruce Wayne instead of using their money and resources to help people. Mm-hmm. They decide they're they're so they're the elite. I mean, they literally call themselves the elites. They mm-hmm. you know they're just better than all of these other people and they need and so they can do whatever they want. Like there's an interesting nugget in there but it just doesn't really come together for me. And as a result, I just don't think it's an interesting episode. Um, maybe because we spend so much time with them and not much time with Batman's reaction to them and Batman sort of grappling with them being his antithesis or Bruce Wayne's antithesis. Um, so like I said, this might be a little bit harsher than it otherwise would be uh maybe i'm maybe i'm being harder on this than i would be because as we'll get to in a second the visual a big problem in this episode but uh <laughs> as it stands uh i settled on a two out of ten for my plot holy cow <laughs> i just and it's like it's it's, it's michael reeves Commercial. who is who is you know a co-writer on feet of clay he is credited with the screenplay one of the the screenplay of the phantasm talented man alan burnett also credited on the story for this one you know one of the godfathers of the whole dcau so we know there's talent there but it's just it's just so uninteresting to me i just i feel like that's the problem like this would maybe be a four or a five but it's just so boring (laughs) and i just i just (laughs) didn't find any of the characters engaging at all so that's kind of where I'm sitting on my score. Wow. That was, you are merciless, my friend. Um, yeah, I, I ended up with a four out of 10. I would agree with your sentiment that sometimes it's easier for us to score lower when there is a big, obvious thing to dislike about the episode. I think, in the water, you know? Yeah, it, precisely. Exactly. Um, I think, I think there are, I don't think this episode says very much. Um, you know, it I think I think it would have been more realistic if they actually did get away with it at the end. Like that seems mm-hmm. more that seems more realistic because generally speaking that seems to be how society typically works where the rich mm-hmm. don't get if you have a lot of money, you end up not really having to face consequences when it comes to your legal uh choices your illegal thing doing something illegal <laughs> you know mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. your Ill- illegal discretions um so 
I don't know that it says anything. Yes, I think everybody wants equal justice across the board, whether you have money or you do not. So that's not really an original sentiment. Um, I'd be interested in reading the original, probably should have read the original comic book to figure out how closely this mirrors that. They There weren't any writing credits for the original issue or based on story by the original uh, the original issue in which these characters debuted. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how much it, it, uh, it changes from the original, but um, yeah, I, I think, I think there's some interesting stuff here. They don't, I, th- I think the choice to not try and hide the identities of the, of who the characters are was the right one because you introduced those three guys in the second scene. Like it's not even, it's not even a guess as to who these guys are. Um, the reveal of why they do it is i guess the the most is supposed to be the most interesting it's like oh they're bored but they just sort of reiterate the same thing that they told bruce at the beginning so it's the same motivation it's like oh yeah we were bored we're bored we're bored like okay we get it you're bored um i think it would have been more interesting to see if you had had and i guess the constraints of being a, a children's cartoon held them up with this but i think the jump from being these guys that are just stealing money for the thrill of it to okay now we're murderers would have been more interesting if we had seen it actually play out and then the the two supporting cast army and gunther sort of dealing with like holy cow this guy is this guy's really mm-hmm. off the deep end and maybe have a a, a dynamic of what them coming to grips with their the third partner here being a, a psychopath and them just realizing, oh man, what did we get ourselves into? Maybe you have that sort of be a, a, a character study for those two guys and have a redeeming, a little bit of redemption for those guys maybe or something, or, or even just the idea of them having to decide. Cause we do get a little bit of that at the end mm-hmm. where they're pushing the car off. Uh, Army is like arguing with Warren about he's like what are we doing and he but he just goes along with it and then we don't really get to see we don't know whether those guys got sent to jail we only see Warren go to jail so we don't know what their comeuppance or what they you know how justice was served to them so yeah there's I don't think the episode says very much I I wasn't bored per se but I also remembered every one of the beats of this episode because we had it on videotape and and had seen it so many times. Um, mm-hmm. So I I it was it wasn't a surprise to me. There wasn't a lot that I that I had forgotten um, other than maybe how they wrote Robin out of the episode. I, I didn't remember he gets blown up in the opening scene and then like doesn't isn't a factor. <laughs> it's like we have to get Robin out of this episode somehow. So we're going to we're going <laughs> to injure him um so yeah a four out of ten is is not a great score a two out of ten is far worse um i didn't hate the episode i i it's not it's not good but i i don't think that i i would say that i was i was bored so i don't know if that deserves a a disagreement alarm or not but (laughs) you know we're 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 two points off i'd say we're in the same ballpark here it's 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 not good. I think there was much better storytelling that we expect from the people that were responsible for this episode, as you mentioned, and uh, and maybe just this wasn't clearly wasn't their best outing. Agreed. 
And uh, I think from there, Cal, we can move on to <laughs> maybe we should say visuals. I won't we won't say visuals for last because that would break our formula. Right. But really, we should. This is really the main event here is mm -hmm. visuals and animation. Uh, as mentioned, Frank Parr, another veteran of the show, certainly don't lay any of the blame for what we're about to say at his feet. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yes, we have the the infamous. You know, we we generally talk talk the most crap about uh, about Acom uh, Production Company, who have done some absolute terrible episodes. Don't get mm -hmm. me wrong, mm -hmm. and we will not be taking back any of the mean things we said about them. <laughs> but we probably have not done as good of a job. Uh, and to be fair, there are less episodes to talk about with them. <laughs> but uh, Jade Animation, responsible for animation uh, duties this week. And uh, they, uh, this is one of the ugliest uh, episodes of anything we've ever watched, I think. Sure. Um, let's talk really... about the other the other episodes that we have watched that they're responsible for so mm -hmm. listeners may be familiar with with, with them right. uh, they're responsible for the all-time terrible episode i think your lowest perhaps your lowest scored episode of all time which was superman's pal mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so already uh mentioned in 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 rare rarefied air there uh also in the bad episode jar unity mm -hmm, from superman mm -hmm. the like your lowest if i'm not mistaken yes a a terrible i believe i i if i didn't give it a zero in animation i wanted to give it a zero or i, I say it might have been before we were like <laughs> we were we might have reviewed that one that. far yeah before we were that far, far enough back that we might have tackled that when we kept the scale at one before it dropped <laughs> dropped to zero they're also they also did uh, if you're so smart why aren't you rich which i definitely remember us commenting i'll be like man i don't remember it looking this bad but man mm -hmm. this looks bad yes um it was a surprisingly badly animated episode mm -hmm. and then uh, yeah yeah and so yeah so with that pedigree in mind um just from like the first scene uh as soon as batman and robin enter in that whatever the office building or whatever they're in they look so strange facially like their the shapes of their heads are weird mm -hmm. they, the scaling of like how big they are compared to anything else in any room they're in keeps changing it's a full episode issue with that <laughs> yes absolutely that's maybe the biggest like just just constant i mean we we've talked about this a hundred times different models you can kind of get used to if it's consistent for the episode but this is like across the board. Almost every character is the facially they're changing head shapes, details in their face change. People have whites in their eyes, then they don't, then they do again. Then they have like a lot of detail in their eyes, almost like an Eastern, like an Eastern animation. Uh, the openings, like that whole sequence. There's also a lot of what I have to assume were cuts made to cover up for like unusable animation in in that opening sequence when robin is sliding down the zip line and then swings down he like lands on the docks and he you know throws out some one liner to to the terrible trio as they're getting away and there's like five cuts yeah in 10 seconds and i've never seen an episode that looks like that before and i have to assume it's they were literally and of course this is not this is not digital animation they were physically cutting <laughs> 
cells from from the final product here to make this usable because i've never seen them and in every shot every cut robin looks different his head's a different size his torso is suddenly he looks like ninja robin the the kenner figure like he's all he's all thick and he's but he's got very short limbs all of a sudden like like shot to shot everybody's changing how they look and that's that's a concurrent theme throughout the whole episode even you know in the end when when batman's fighting the the trio in the snow the the whole batmobile sequence it's just it is consistently inconsistent uh, throughout and just generally not very pleasant to look at yeah it's it, you're right from the get go the thing that i had noted was all the cuts throughout the entire uh, first act and then even in the i think in the third act w- w- yeah mm-hmm. it, it basically the beginning of the third act where they're inside the cabin there's so many cuts that happen there um there were even some odd choices for like we always talk about the the painting aesthetic that they did mm-hmm. which is a you know the the tribute or the homage to the Fleischer Superman cartoons or even some of the old looney tunes or tex avery cartoons where you have certain things that are painted the choice to paint the the unconscious sheldon in the hospital bed was it just it's very very weird and like Mm -hmm. as he his his head keeps turning in different directions based prior to like like mm-hmm. Batman or Bruce coming in to like check his face. His face is already turned in one section in direction. And then the next cut, his face is back over in the opposite direction. You had stuff like that with, with continuity issues. Um, you had, you just had so many weird, weird looks. Rebecca, the daughter, I swear her face changes every time that she's on screen. Like, like she doesn't yeah. have she doesn't have one consistent look like her eyes are real big in one scene. The next scene that they're it, they were it's almost like her face is melting. Um, it's wildly inconsistent. Anytime that there's a, a shot um, that is not like a close up. So like a, a pan out shot or where you have a full somebody's full body. I don't think there was one shot where you could see somebody from head to toe where it looked like that they, they looked like a, a real human being. They mm-hmm. were either real, like compressed with like a short torso and stubby arms and legs, or they were real elongated. It just, no, just bad, 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 <laughs> bad, all, all the way around. There were two shots that I actually we were like, man, that was actually pretty decent. There's mm-hmm. one shot in when they're fighting in the snow and some of it, I think, has to do with the fact that of the aesthetic of them nighttime in the forest, in the snow, mm-hmm. uh, Batman chasing this guy in a shark mask. And uh, they do a, a, a it's either a 180 or a 360 pan shot where they're kind of si- the, the Gunther, I think, is in the shark costume, mm-hmm. is sizing Batman up. And they do this sort of pan that is like, oh, that kind of looks cool. Um and then there's a there's a singular shot the first time that the Batmobile is introduced where uh, it comes around the, the the corner and slams into a they're coming around a corner and slamming into a, like a stoplight, um, which, by the way, there's a there's a very famous painting that I should have uh, should have looked up the di- the famous diner painting that I think is is homaged mm-hmm. in that uh, in that shot there. I should have should have researched who that uh, that painting was. Why didn't DCAU wiki do my work for me this week? <laughs> 
but uh, but yeah, I thought I thought that parts of the the actual exterior of the Batmobile and those. Oh no, you know what? It was when the Batmobile does like a he does like a a U turn. Uh, once he f- hears the radio, I thought that the Batmobile looked cool in that that shot, and then the subsequent some of the the chase between the actual vehicles. Now, in the midst of that, there are shots at the interior of the Batmobile where Batman is hyper detailed. Like I I paused it. He's like gripping the wheel, and you can see like his muscles. It looks like a it looks like a Kelly Jones drawing almost of how. <laughs> how ripped Batman is. And that was n- something you would never see is the detail of Batman's muscles and his arms through the suit. Like mm-hmm. that's just not something you see in Batman, the animated series. So they cut away and then inside the terrible trio's car, that, that car looks like one of the typical, like whatever those, you know, rich people cars that they modeled the, all the old mm-hmm. 1930s cars after. So mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of small in the back. It's not meant to be like a giant roomy Hummer sized vehicle, <laughs> but for whatever reason, they keep cutting into it. And you would think that they were driving like a tank or something with the amount of room that's in <laughs> thing. They're like, they're like, could have stood up in the back on the back seat with how wide the window is. So all the kinds of proportions are off. Um, it's, it's not good, man. It's not good at all. Yeah. Um, if I had positive notes, there's, there's actually two, uh, they do it twice. The, the very much akin to the, uh, the Keaton Batman moment where first he ejects from the, uh, the bat plane and, and the, the glider wings fly out, Mm -hmm. uh, in front of the moon creating the bat symbol. And then they have another shot. I think when he's jumping onto the snowmobile, where he jumps and and the cape flies out and in, into sort of the wing shape and he's in front of the moon again. So uh, there's there is that that fun little bit. I like that setting. Like if I'm trying to find anything positive, it's like yeah, that's a unique fun setting. Like the snowy woods. Like you don't see Batman in that kind of scenario in this series very often. So that's very that's a cool idea. Um, the the character designs. I think I think Rebecca is based on Liza Minnelli. <laughs> Yeah, based, you would think based, based on the fact that she looks almost exactly like uh, Valestra's daughter from <laughs> the recent Batman Adventures Continue that uh, that we had Jordan uh, Jordan Gibson on, who mm-hmm. mentioned that the notes he got from uh, from Mr. Burnett and Mr. Dini were to make her look like Liza Minnelli. And I was watching this, I was like, oh, this looks like uh, this looks like Jordan's uh, Valestra daughter, but. Then I realized, oh, that's why. Okay, <laughs> based on a real person, uh-huh. I think her and I think her dad is Wilford Brimley. Yes, I would have to. I would also have to agree with that. Um, so yeah, so props to the to our, our character designers and our background designers, the only people <laughs> in the visual department. Again, again, I don't put this at the foot of the director of, of Frank Parr. Um, I know we've uh, we've we've talked before about just the the feeling I think of dejection when you you pour your heart and soul into uh, the storyboards and the direction of an episode. And then you find out it's going to uh, going to Acom or going to, to Jade in this case is uh, it's gotta be a, a unique type of a professional heartbreak for uh, for a director. <laughs> but uh, yeah, other than those, that, that little bit of fun, I think at the end, uh, I just, I also like speaking of character designs, I don't like, like the terrible trio just aren't very interesting. They're just kind of in like, jackets and slacks and then they have these masks on 
Yeah, you would think with all of the money that they have, they could have invested in something other than like matching turtleneck sweaters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and like the and the the masks don't have like unlike say Batman and Robin's masks, they don't have like emotive eyes, mm-hmm. and in fact, you can't even see their mouths moving in most of it, most of the shots. Yeah, I think that was probably on purpose, <laughs> <laughs> maybe for the better. Didn't but, have too much animation. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's just not good. That was another thing, actually. Speaking of that, uh, a lot of the, like the 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 every time someone is speaking, almost there's usually at least an attempt to affect you know to make the character look like they're moving their mouths in the way that someone would move their mouths with what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Not like this was again. This was very like Eastern animation to me. It's just like open close, very like very stuttery like rigid like they just did not mouths not moving like normal humans move their mouths (laughs) in a lot of scenes i noticed that especially i think in the in the car chase sequence but uh yeah um suffice to say one of one of the worst episodes visually i think we've ever we've ever covered on this show um uh so i settled on a zero out of ten for my <laughs> for my visual score for this uh, for this week's episode. Oh man, uh, I guess I was feeling a little bit more generous this <laughs> week. Um, I went with a two out of ten. Um, oh, we didn't we didn't talk about Robin Robin's first and only appearance of his throwing R's. Ah, yes, yes. <laughs> what a random thing to just put in. <laughs> like, did didn't the the Tim Drake? robin introduced those into yeah i don't know it's is it been a functional thing that he's used since the early 90s um yeah probably not since he's it's probably been a few uh a few years maybe it's it's been brought back in some more recent comics i i'd have to double check but yeah it, it was a staple of those uh yes those early early 90s uh, Tim Drake's solo Robin series. He was he had his own uh, his own projectiles. These uh, R's with the point, the one point of the R being sharp. So I don't know how functional kind of, they are. <laughs> yes, it's like it's it's fun. It's like a fun little thing. If yes, if you were a fan of of that Robin comic, which we both were back in the day, like there's a little bit of like, oh, it's kind of cool that they worked that in. But it is very random that he just he just throws it once. And it's it's never seen again. But uh, <laughs> but yes, yeah, that was that was a pretty random random bit. But yeah, there is a little bit of uh, some uh, some warm fuzzies associated with with Robin having his own his own weird little projectiles for some reason. There you go. Yeah. So I I think I mentioned it, but two out of ten was my score. I think I I think the the final scene does enough, even though it doesn't make any sense. And I rewound the scene to make sure that I wasn't imagining this. When they push the car off of the mountain, okay? So they're pushing the car up the mountain. They push it off. The car drops. They cut to you seeing where essentially the car drops from out of frame into into frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, or is No, it's already in the frame when they cut to it. So it means it hasn't dropped, has, it couldn't have dropped that far above where they where they cut to the bat plane then shows up and the rope from the bat plane, the projectile coming out of the bat plane launches down. The bat plane is not in, in view. Okay. So you're assuming it's coming from above, like high above where they pushed the car from at this point. Mm -hmm. But then 
we see the bat plane somehow snuck up. They didn't because you don't hear them screaming <laughs> the bat plane. The bat plane then comes from below them <laughs> to raise the car up. Correct. Doesn't make a bit of sense how that could have happened based on the cuts and how it was animated. Uh, but that was something else that I was just like, that's not possible. How it was, it was meant it, it made for a cool reveal, I guess. But yeah, I, the, the, the Batman jumping in front of the moon twice, I thought was pretty neat. Batman fighting him on a snowmobile was pretty neat where he gets this giant pickaxe for why there's a giant pickaxe <laughs> in, the, in the snowmobile that he's trying to kill Batman with. Couldn't mm-hmm. tell you, but it, it makes for a fun little, little bit there. I will also say that the animators could not consistently animate what color Archie, I mean, Warren's eyebrows were. they were <laughs> black in one scene, orange in the next scene. Uh, yeah, so lots of lots of fumbles here. And uh, mercifully, we don't have any more Batman episodes left that Jade was responsible for. But we still have a few Superman episodes left. So, whew, man, it's going gonna... to look forward to. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so suffice to say, yeah, one of the like like you said at the top of the show, I think one of the all time bad episodes just from a a visual standpoint at least but we took it all we brought them to our land an endless night ember hot and icy cold the rage of the earth we made this curse carved it in the blood on our backs we did not see we could not but she did and in the end what will i become Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. That will move us on to, I guess for me, what would be the highlight of the episode. Uh, That being our music section here at Cal. Of course, the late great Shirley Walker responsible for this week's score. I'm going to be honest, I don't have a ton uh, of notes about about the music. I did notice, uh, or I did note the, uh, I think the, the music builds very well in the sequence where uh, Rebecca is kind of putting two and two together that that Warren is the is part of this group that attacked her father. You get like some real shrill strings. You almost kind of set it up like you're feeling like it's a gets very claustrophobic. You're kind of feeling like it's a, a horror movie where you realize who the killer is type of mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's good. And then the the introduction of the of the of the classic Batman theme even though as you said it doesn't really make any sense how they got snuck up on in a giant flying saucer <laughs> um it is it is a pretty neat bit of of the way they kind of get in and out of out of the batman theme in that final action sequence i think but i don't have a ton else to say about the uh, the music this week yeah i had uh, i had just a couple of notes uh, the batman the batman theme i thought was great i thought the couple of chase scenes that they have the one in the batmobile uh, has a good good shirley walker sort of uh, I say run of the mill, but they're, they're always plus plus uh, in, in the case when they're they're composed by Miss Walker. But uh, a great, great chase scene music as they're they're riding through Gotham. Um, and then the 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 way that the the theme or the music ends uh, the snowmobile chase, it's it, Batman throws 
Warren off of the the snowmobile, and then for some reason Batman doesn't jump off the snowmobile immediately. It's like he's <laughs> kind of trying to stop it, but it doesn't show that there's any reason why he can't stop it. It's just kind of motoring forward, and we see that he's reaching the end of a cliff. So he jumps off of the snowmobile and the snowmobile goes over the cliff. And the way that the music sort of ends there, it's a it's a crescendo of horns that sort of play out of tune. And it reminded me of of sort of what uh, what you would hear in Batman 66 when he gets like the final crushing punch on whoever Mm -hmm. the villain of the week is. sort of crescendo of horns that sort of just fade out as they as they sort of um as they they sort of as the villain crashes to the ground so i don't know if that was an intentional homage regardless i th- it was like ah that reminded me of batman 66 in the way that you would kind of see the the villain fights end in those uh, in those episodes so uh it seemed like a an homage if it wasn't an intentional one it's a nice coincidence uh, but uh, other than that, you know, I think that the the music as we we intro them at the beginning, there wasn't necessarily like a terrible trio theme that I picked up on. Hmm. Um, but there's certainly some good soundtrack behind it. Uh, but the the main note was that uh, that crescendo and falling of the horn. So I uh, I went with a six out of ten because I I think that uh, Miss Walker deserves uh, deserves a lot of credit for 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 providing music as a, as a distraction for some of the, and honestly probably made those, those scenes that we talked about as being the highlights, mm-hmm. the, the, the Batman, you know, casting across the moon in the bat glider and then uh, him jumping off of this little hill and gliding down onto the, uh, onto the snowmobile at the end there. It made those more impactful and fun because of that. So uh, I ended up with a six out of 10. Yeah, I went just one point lower. I went five out of ten. Um, like I said, I, I, I enjoyed it in the in the moments, but I, I didn't think anything really stood out to me. But yes, I, I think unequivocally the highlight of this episode, uh, unsurprisingly perhaps, is is Miss Walker's score. Um, but uh, that will bring us to our final category here, Cal, uh, which is of course our voice acting, and we have a pretty decent sized guest cast to talk about because. Other than Batman and Robin, it's it's all guests and they do most of the talking. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so playing uh, playing uh, the Fox, a.k.a. Warren, is as Bill Mummy or Mummy. I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce that, but uh, folks would know him. He's the original uh, Will Robinson on the original Lost in Space. OK. And uh, also had a lengthy run on Babylon 5 uh, as Warren. I like him as the smug smarmy rich guy in the mm-hmm. scene with bruce mm-hmm. i don't buy him as like menacing when that turn comes towards the end of the episode i think that would be maybe my my critique there hmm. uh, i i think i think he does a solid i honestly i wanted to hate him because i didn't like the episode and i wanted <laughs> to find like we were talking about before like i wanted to find something else not to like but I thought that he kind of plays that arrogant. He definitely plays the arrogant, overconfident, 
prick of a rich person very well, like spoiled rich kid. Um, and I, I think that the, the little subtlety that kind of happens in his voice when he realizes that he's going to go ahead and just kill his girlfriend at this point, because mm-hmm. she, she knows is kind of, it is kind of terrifying. Um, I bought it. Hey, we'll pay everybody back. You won't tell anyone, right? No. Oh, no, of course not. You'll tell. No, Warren, I won't, really. She's a liability. One we can't afford. Whoa, time out, old man. This is getting extreme. There are limits to... Haven't you listened to anything I've told you? We are beyond limitations, beyond restriction. She's your girlfriend for crying out loud. She's a spoiled, willful child. And if we let her go, she will tell. You're out of your minds, all of you. In for a penny, in for a pound. I, I guess we've got to bring out the disagreement alarm for that because I, I disagree. I, I bought it. Lock, lock, stock, and barrel. I thought it was thought it was pretty solid. I like that he uh, he he also is constantly sort of trying to goad his his fellow frat brothers into pushing the envelope because he's very verbally abusive, especially to army. And um, so I, I kind of bought it. I kind of bought it at the end there that he's he's turned on a on a dime and now he's decided he's. It's time to kill. That's our next the next thing we have to do. We we must kill now. Absolutely, but uh, yeah. So I like I said, I don't I don't totally agree with you there, but uh, but I'm glad you were able to. <laughs> I'm glad one of us was able to find some enjoyment in that. Um, but elsewhere in our guest cast, other uh, other voice actors here, we have uh, David Jaliff or Jaliff as uh, as Vulture, um, who seems to work a little bit as like an audio engineer on a lot of projects, as well as a musician as well as a as a voice actor, but uh, playing the uh, the role of Vulture slash Army. I'm gonna be honest, him and uh, Peter Scolari as uh, as the shark. I don't. They were again. They were both just kind of in the background. They're kind of smarmy, bland. I guess that's the idea. Is they're kind of just hangers on to to uh to fox as the leader here so like nothing they did bothered me but they don't there's not a lot asked of them either yeah i i thought that they sounded pretty like i guess what's asked of them they reminded me of um who ironically who's the uh what's the name of the guy who runs the uh the organization that Edward Digma tries to kill. Oh, him. Mockridge. Yeah, he kind of, like it was a similar performance of like mm-hmm. I'm gonna be over the top and like smarmy rich person. Like they're mm-hmm. both kind of like playing up the the I guess the actor. Like I'm impersonating an actor from the 1940s that's playing a playing a an upscale high society person. Like, um, so it's it's sort of like a rate. It feels like a radio voice put on by both of them at times, which is effective for a performance. It's not bad. They didn't sound like they were reading the lines necessarily. However, they didn't, they, they didn't really come across as like, it doesn't really come across as very emotional, especially when army at the end is like, come on, man, what are you doing? Like we're not killers. It doesn't feel very genuine when he has to sort of show more emotion than just like, Hey, we're three brat brothers, and we do all this cool stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. But yeah, I mean, again, maybe that's part of the direction is that these guys are just smarmy and rich and they don't have to be interesting because they're rich. <laughs> right, right, right. But uh, yeah, I didn't didn't think there was a lot to write home about. Elsewhere in our cast, uh, playing Rebecca, we have actually somebody we just talked about recently. Uh, her name is Kristen Haj or Hajé. Uh, she was probably most famous, I believe, on Party of Five, but uh, we just recently talked about her as uh, as Rose Foster's sister in the Zeta Project, and uh, and here she is again. I think she's she's solid. Again, she's kind of presented as this kind of airhead heiress at first, and then, but then she's kind of got to do the heavy lifting of reacting when she real when she's when she's putting it all together that you know that her boyfriend almost killed her father and all of that so i think i think she does a she does a pretty solid job um for what i think she's fine yeah for what for honestly what's asked of her i think most of her conversation uh is interacting with with warren uh but you know i think that the little bit that she gets to gets to do with her dad is is uh she gets to kind of show a little bit of emotion and concern and then with bruce at the hospital where she's clearly shaken and upset so so much so that she she's willing to go on an hour away trip on to the the mountains but that's another plot point that isn't, that isn't the actress's fault right yes. uh yeah i think she does a she does a fine job for what was asked of her right and, uh, and then the last voice we'll mention before we get to our leads i guess we have a hector elizondo uh playing uh playing mr fallbrook and uh Folks would probably know him best from uh, things like, I would say I know him best uh, thanks to our sister from the Princess Diaries movies. (laughs) Plays uh, Julie Andrews' bodyguard slash love interest in those movies. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course also has done a lot of voice acting, including he goes on to voice uh, Bane in uh, Mystery of the Batwoman and the Rise of Sinsu video game, which we played countless hours of. So mm-hmm. uh, as soon as he started speaking, I was like, oh, I know who that is. It's one of <laughs> one of those voices. If you of course, if Cragger also. <laughs> oh, of course. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps <laughs> more relevant to the uh, to the DCAU. Yes, of course, also being Cragger uh, in the uh, in the Star Cross episodes. So, uh, yeah, it's fun, fun to hear him. Not much to his actual performance. And then uh, obviously, as mentioned, we have we have Lauren Lester as Robin and and the late Kevin Conroy as Batman, and as we kind of said, they don't they don't get a lot to do. <laughs> nope. Um, like I said, I like the scene of 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 uh, of the terrible trio bouncing off of of Bruce in the, at the country club and him trying to sort of uh you know point out you know why this why charity and things like that are important and why he's trying to make the world a better place and all of that and and uh, and also that juxtaposition of uh, of them being like oh gosh Bruce you're so boring like that's kind of your classic you know one of your classic bits you can do when you, when you have a superhero with a double identity <laughs> um, so i think i think there's some there's some kind of nice light comedic touches to that and then uh again he has he does get this one little bit where he's talking about how these you know these guys are worse than the joker because you know at least he has madness to excuse his actions they're just they're just these rich you know rich jerks who would rather use their use their money and and fortune for for sick thrills than to actually help anyone so like there's there's some some flashes of something which i think again i talked about in plot 
in the sense that I still think there's a flash of a good idea in here mm -hmm. uh, for as far as the plot goes as well. And I think so you get a little bit of a, a few fun nuggets from from Kevin Conroy. And, and yeah, Lauren Lester doesn't really have much to do because he gets blown up and then uh, he just <laughs> says he has a broken arm when he's flying, when he's in the bat plane at the end. I'm not sure why I even brought him, but <laughs> Surely this bat plane has autopilot on it, right? Do we really? You've seen it, yeah. Alfred used it. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why Dick had to come just to sit in the back seat and do nothing. But uh, complain. Yeah, maybe that. Maybe there was a Fox Kids quota for minutes of Robin on screen or something that they had to to meet for these later episodes. But uh, sounds probable. I I will say I did like. Batman gets uh, the late Kevin Conroy gets to deliver the line at, at the very end after he's uh, defeated and thrown Warren off of the back of the snowmobile. He, he says, let's go, Fox. You've raided your last chicken coop. <laughs> <laughs> A classic cliched Batman line. And then we get honestly what I think is the funniest, funniest bit of the of the episode, because we get the reverse. As you mentioned, we get. Uh, we mm -hmm. get Warren at the beginning chiding Bruce for how boring he is, and then at the end we get uh, we get Warren trying to bribe Batman with a million dollars to let him go, noting that a million dollars will buy a <laughs> lot of batarangs. Uh, but Batman, of course, gets to respond, "Your money's no good here," which I love. So, uh, yeah, uh, overall, I, you know, I, I think Warren again gets the lion's share of uh, of what what the most of the dialogue, I guess, for the episode. So, I liked his performance as as noted. I think uh, Mr. Conroy does okay with what he was given, but I think everybody is is pretty much just okay anything there was anything that stood out or that was super dynamic so i just went for a middle of the road five out of ten what about you yeah i went just a little uh, just one point lower i went four out of ten um for for what for what we talked about for maybe our, our little difference of opinion on uh on uh on our uh, our fox aster mr mr mummy or, or Mummy. um yeah i like i said i don't uh, i don't think anyone is truly terrible but i just didn't quite uh didn't quite buy the the more menacing turn that uh that he took so definitely one we'd uh when we do have a rare disagreement <laughs> as marked by the fact that we have a sound effect for it um we always like to hear what uh what you you can tell us uh who's right in that little uh not not quite argument uh, and you can you can let us know at dcau review on twitter and instagram let us know what you think about that as well, as well as all of the categories here. Maybe we're being too hard on this episode, or maybe I'm being too hard, too hard on this episode <laughs> at the very least. But uh, that will begin to wrap us up here, Cal. But, oh, wait. Oh, no. Well, that was those two sound effects. Well, the same sound effect twice. That means we have two negative bonus point reductions <laughs> this week. <laughs> maybe a first for our show, I'm pretty sure. Uh-huh. I agree. Um, yeah. So, so mine, and and hopefully we didn't we didn't talk about this before we went on the air, but hopefully it's not a crossover here for uh, negative bonus points. Mine goes for we we were really unhappy with the animation clearly with this episode, mm -hmm. and that extended beyond just the animation for the episode. As we come into the to the episode itself, we are greeted by the classic Batman the Animated Series title card. And in the title card, they decided to animate the text over top 
of the 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 uh, <laughs> our, our classic title card style here. I don't remember other than I guess you could classify the Heart of Ice title card as having some animation to it because the snow is fall- falling, mm-hmm. but not a regular occurrence. And I have to imagine that the animation studio was likely respond. I'm gonna I'm gonna give them the whether it was them or not. I'm like. <laughs> There was more time spent on animating the text that overlays our title card than there was on making sure that people were proper proportions in in most of these scenes. I'm just going to start at that. So for <laughs> that reason, negative bonus point. Why? Why did we spend time, money, resources on <laughs> getting the text animated over top? Not necessary. Looks bad. Hate it. Negative bonus point. I love that. That is far more creative than my negative bonus point, uh, which is simply for uh, Jade as a whole. Uh, <laughs> the worst, the worst animation studio in the history of, you know, Acom might have them beat on quantity of bad episodes, but when we're talking the worst of the worst, I think Jade's going to end up with more uh, more contenders than maybe even Acom has. So uh, just yeah, just. Just a negative point for, in my opinion, the worst animation studio uh, <laughs> to ever work on any of these DCAU shows. So quite a dubious uh, <laughs> reputation. And I think both of those uh, those negative points are uh, are deserved, Cal, as that will move us to our final score here. And if I'm telling everything up correctly with my minus one point from uh, off of my main score, I have a final score of 10 out of 40. <laughs> Rarified air indeed. Oh, yeah. yes. Uh, I was clearly in a more generous mood, was not as harsh in a couple of categories. Uh, so my final score, even with my negative bonus point, ends up at a 16 out of 40. So uh, oh. quite quite a large oh. difference there, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, still still we're we're definitely in a in rare air here as we talk about some of these episodes anything that gets below 20 i generally think of as that's that can be classified as bad yeah when you get around 15 when you get around 15 when you're sniffing 15 or below Mm -hmm. yeah that's we're talking yeah yeah maybe like dollar in the bad episode jar yeah like like 20 to 16 is probably would just be like it'll be like not good right (laughs) But then you got, yeah, you get down to like 10, 10 or less, then you're getting into like worst of the worst te- category. So uh, for me, obviously it did fall into that category and maybe just outside of that, uh, that listing for you. <laughs> and of course that cow weekend, as we do every week, talk about rewatchability. Um, no, burn this, put it, cast it into the fire. Um <laughs> uh it's it doesn't matter it doesn't have any any bearing these characters never return yep um, i don't think they're they, even are they used in tie-in comics even i don't, I don't think so i don't even yeah i don't even think they get used as like background characters or anything yeah and as mentioned there's another dcau woman who looks like liza minnelli so <laughs> <laughs> so there's uh there's no reason there's no reason to ever talk about this episode again or uh, or revisit it. Uh, so I w- I would say this is a if you're watching through for the first time, skip it. If you're watching through for the tenth time, skip it. Even if you skipped it the other nine times, still just keep on skipping it. You will not. <laughs> There's just not enough meat on the bone uh, to me in in the plot or the voice acting or the music, and the visuals are so bad that it's just it's just. So I did not <laughs> I did not have I had a good time reviewing it. 
but I did not have a great time watching it. I would say as a fan, just not a pleasant episode to watch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I would have to agree with you. Um, no reason to touch this episode ever again, unless you are, <laughs> unless you are being forced. Like we decide to put up like a worst episodes poll, and somebody wants us to re-review this fifty years from now, whenever now. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe like next time, like maybe if if you're willing to like put some money to a charity or something, <laughs> maybe we'll do a re-review of some of the the worst, of the worst. But yeah, let's let's. Let's cast this one into the Disney vault with Song of the South. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yes, that will begin to wrap us up here, Cal. Thank you, everyone, for listening, especially if you watched this episode before you watched it. You've suffered enough. But uh, thank you, everyone, for listening, whether you do so on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or perhaps, again, on the Pod Tower YouTube channel, wherever you do. Uh, we would appreciate if you subscribe to us on that platform. And if it happens to be a podcast audio platform uh, and they let you leave a review, uh, we would appreciate you taking the time to write us a review and, and giving us five stars. That does really help us out as far as bumping us up in the, the almighty search algorithms that, that decide if uh, anybody who doesn't already listen to our podcast gets to see our podcast or hear about our podcast. So we do appreciate people that take the time to do that. That's a great free way to support us. A, a more direct way you can support us is you can head to uh, anchor.fm slash DCAU review. That's our main site where our podcast feed is host as uh, is hosted. And uh, there's actually a donate button there where you can contribute. Or if you would prefer to get something, get a little something back for your, uh, for your hard earned money, you can also head to DCAUreview.com. We have a store up there. You can grab yourself a mug or a t-shirt or a hat or something. We always appreciate however you choose to support us. We always appreciate it. And uh, Cal, we are, as it turns out, staring down the barrel of, it's not one like a big milestone, but it's a milestone nonetheless, as we've got episode 250 coming up next week. Yeah, all those big round numbers that end in zero, like the whether it's a double zero or five zero, I feel like it's always a always a big deal. So our 250th, uh, yes, we are uh, we are excited. So not only is it our 250th episode, we're kicking off a brand new month, and as a treat, we are asking our listeners to pick what we review. So we will be posting a poll up in our various social medias this week. So we'll have one uh, that we post for 24 hours on Instagram. That'll give you some options. We'll have one that'll uh, last, I believe, a little bit longer. We can post that on our Twitter mm -hmm. at DCAU Review, both on Twitter and Instagram. And then uh, also we will have it up in our poll this week for our Spotify uh, exclusive poll of the week. So if you listen to us on Spotify, you can vote there you can vote all three places you can vote one place if you want to stuff the ballot box we're not gonna we're not gonna handicap ourselves like we did the last time and and put ourselves in a corner like we did with the with our last fan vote which forced us to re-review the underdwellers so don't get any ideas <laughs> if you're trying to have some comedy uh and in here and put us through some misery for your your sick enjoyment here uh we're gonna put some great options up there we're very excited uh, so make sure you check out our socials this week, pin tweet, pin post, uh, and uh, and then, of course, our, our Spotify exclusive poll of the week on uh, make your voice heard. What would you like to hear us review for our special 250th anniversary? We're going to have a couple of fun options there. 
Absolutely, Cal. Can't wait to uh, to see what the fans want us to pick and uh, definitely look forward to getting your feedback on this episode. I did have a few people I saw when we when we posted our clips on social media and stuff this week, letting folks know that we were going to be reviewing this terrible trio episode. There were some uh, there's some terrible true believers out there i think who uh who quite enjoy this episode so um if you if you disagree with us we're always happy to to chat with you again on a dcau at dcau review on instagram and twitter you can always uh, privately message us if you don't uh you don't want to uh to publicly comment but yeah i'm i'm excited to see if uh if people agree with this because generally speaking when we talk about the worst of the worst uh, sometimes it kind of becomes a pile on and but you know i always like talking to people that uh that maybe have a special soft spot in their heart for this for for an episode that a lot of other people don't like so we'll uh, look forward to hearing your feedback and of course your feedback in relation to what we'll be reviewing next week for episode 250 but until then i'm liam and i'm cal and we'll talk to you next time on another episode of the dcau review Bye bye <laughs>